Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy third Wednesday. Hope everyone's having a great week. Thanksgiving weekend for those that are in North or those that are in America. Always a good time to give thanks. Thanksgiving, maybe we could talk about this tomorrow. Thanksgiving actually was a holiday intended to give thanks to God. Some good American history. Abraham Lincoln. We'll talk about that maybe another time. I've been talking a lot about this idea of honor. It went into the different iterations of where it need, where I think it should have gone. Because it's, it's a deeper concept than just being nice to somebody else. It comes from a much deeper source. And yesterday we spoke about this concept that at the core of real honor is the recognition that your value is based on your existence, not based on your actions. Now that is contrary to, I think, the way I was raised and the way everyone's raised. I can't imagine, unless you have a counterculture type environment, if you grew up in the West, that the, an idea that your existence somehow is more valuable than your actions is just mind-blowing. I have a high, I have a hard time like stopping and like I feel unproductive when like we're waiting online. Like the idea that you that that your existence is more valuable, and and the reason why it's so hard for us is because like what does that mean? Does that mean I could just do nothing? Does that mean I could just sit on the couch all day, right? Like we don't even know how to process that. Like we don't even know what that means. Like what does that mean? That like what just because I exist, I'm valuable? It's because that's not how our society operates. If if, if if we use that in the wrong way, what would we do all day? Just sit around and like meditate? Is that what a Western person does? We're way too busy to meditate. But if we miss this concept, we actually miss, I think, a key piece of, of how we become doers. Now, if you remember earlier in the show, we spoke about the idea of be, do, have versus do, have, be. Most people, we live in the world of do, have, be, have, do things, work, schoolwork, whatever, have things, good grades, wealth, whatever, and then you can be somebody. The, the sell is if you do these things and you get those things, then you can be that thing. If you win the game, you can be a champion. If you get the A, you can be a good student, right? Actions lead to accumulation, which leads to existence. Not real existence, but you know what I mean. But what we spoke then was how, in truth, it's actually flipped. It's not do, have, be. It's be, do, have. You have to decide who you want to be. And when you make that decision, you've changed. And then you can do the things that person does and then you have you potentially could have the things that person so you don't become a champion when you win the championship you become a champion before the season even starts you don't become a good student when you get the grade you become a good student when you decide and once you become a good student in your mind and in your soul then you'll do the things good students do and then you'll have the things that students have that's and that's a technique that is used by many great people to sort of orient themselves 
towards knowing what they should be doing and then getting things they should be doing, getting, having. But this is a, but this is a deeper play now. This is a much deeper play. Being and doing. And this is what I want to make sure we, we, we get to today. Being and doing and understanding how they interplay. Because when you think of the world of doing, there's two types of people that do. I want, I want to like get there. So we spoke a while ago about this, this idea of small miracles, right? Like how God has always given you kisses. It's just a question, of, question of if we're seeing it or not. So I think it was like five, six days ago, maybe like last, maybe it was a week, week ago or two. Andy would probably know where I, we were. I just opened up a book and I, it landed to the exact page that we were talking about. Remember that? So it happened again. So every Tuesday night, I go to this class in my shul by a great rabbi named Rabbi Yehoshua Rubenstein, superstar. And it's the mysticism, if you will, on Hanukkah. And it's awesome. Like it's off the charts awesome. Like the light, the candle where you light it. Maybe we'll do this in, on, on Hanukkah, but like it's just, it's off the charts. The candle, the where does the light come from? And so he's speaking last night and he, it's over at nine. And he, he finishes the night and goes, and then he's done. And before he ends, he goes, you know, I got, I got one more thing that I want to bring out. That, that's where all the good stuff comes, right? The last thing, the post after the bell rang. And he brings out this concept. And tell me if this sounds familiar to those who heard yesterday's class, yesterday's talk. We have an obligation on Hanukkah. And this is for everybody, Jewish, non-Jewish, doesn't matter. Just this is, it's a concept. So stick with me. We have an obligation on Hanukkah to, to say thank you. The whole essence of the holiday is, is a thankful holiday. That's, it's, it's not for nothing that the worlds collide, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah. No, nothing is random. Either way. But we don't really have a lot of times where we say thank you. We don't spend the whole day in synagogue. We don't have long thank yous. So there's an opinion that says that the way we say thank you is when we light candles. The thanks is the lighting of candles. Well, how does that work? It doesn't make a lot of sense. You're not doing it. You're not saying anything. So here's what he says. Listen to this. This is what I'm hearing last night in the class. Fire is the property that we have in this world that is closely related to the soul. It's not even physical. You can't even like catch it. If, it's, if it wasn't held down to a wick, you know, it would almost fl- fly up. When someone passes away, we have a custom to light a candle for them. Shabbat is the holiest time. We light a candle. When we deal with fire, fire is related to spirituality. It is the physical property that is cl- most closely connected to spirituality. When we light candles, this is what the rabbi said. When we light candles, listen to this. What we're doing is we are silently through our actions thanking God for the greatest gift, which is the, the gift of fire, which is the gift of the soul, which is our existence. That's what we spoke about. When you light that Hanukkah candle, you're holding in your hand a um, reminder that what you have, which is a soul, is the greatest gift you can ever have. And it's so great that you can't even use, say, thank you. It's too big for a thank you. It's too intimate, if you will, for words. So it's a silent thank you and just holding that candle. 
And when you light it to another candle, which is what the Hanukkah menorah is all about, what you're doing is you are giving God the greatest thanks, which is I'm going to take the existence that you gave me and share it and increase the fire. And I, I just couldn't believe you saying that because it's, this is what we did yesterday, but it really began. And, and then I, you know, jumped in and shared what we were doing and we started talking about it and it became sort of the, the entire end of that class was what we're doing on the boost and that whole thing in Hanukkah. It was awesome. And what came out of that discussion is sort of where we are, which is the following. We all have to do things in life. But what is the source of our doing? Why do I do something? Why do I work? And why do I do whatever I do? So let's leave out like leisure and th- like just the, the, the stuff that I have to or that I, why am I doing it for? So there is a part of us that doesn't believe that we are valuable in ourselves. Our B is lacking. And if we wouldn't be doing, we'd be lacking. If I wouldn't be doing, I would be less valuable. There's a part of us that feels this way. I'm going to get my clock to make sure I'm not going over. There's a part of us that feels this way. I feel this way. I know a lot of people that feel this way. My value is connected to what I do. And if I don't do anything, I'm less valuable. I'm wasting my life because I'm not doing anything. I have connected my be and my do. I'm not a human being. I'm a human doing. The whole purpose of my life is to do. And if I stop doing, I'm wasting my life. And it goes further. If I don't do in certain areas, I feel less valuable in those areas. So if I have this profession, but in my family, I'm not this profession, I feel less valuable because that's the the doing that's respected. If I go to a school and I am not as capable as the next person, scholastically, academically, I could be getting involved in every program, right? I could be, you know, the head of every club at the end of the day, if that school says that's sweet and nice, like, you know, pats you on the head and goes, yeah, but like, what'd you get in science and math? So my doing is less valuable. And when I walk into a company, the person who's doing what's going on in the corner office is much more valuable than the person who's doing what's taking place in the factory line. My do is where my value lies. And it's, it's how we're all raised. I mean, like, let's just call it what it is. You know, it's like this obsession to find out what you want to be when you grow up. Even the words we use when we tell our kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know what that really means in English? What do you want to do when you grow up? You see how like it even comes, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? No, I, I know what you want to, I don't care what you want to be. What do you want to do? Oh, you want to be a lawyer? Okay. It's not what you want to be. Your job isn't what you are. 
Your job is what you do. And this is a big deal because people that actually buy this and live this way, when that changes on them, they're, they're in a tough spot. I know people that are in the later part of their careers and because of a business downturn or COVID or the market, their jobs are, are, are changed and they can't even function. They can't function not because they're not super talented. It's because they're a lawyer and they got fired from their law firm. They can't do anything else because being a lawyer is who they are. They've tied the be and the do together. This happens with moms more than dads whose whole life was raising children. And now they all grew up. Who am I? Now, being a mom is a bajillion times more important than being a lawyer between me and you. I'm a lawyer. What my wife does, I find to be much more inherently valuable. But whatever. Careers can be very valuable, whatever they are. That's, this is another conversation about home and work. It's a whole conversation. But the idea is that when you say, I am a mom, and the kids all grow up, and they're out of the house, there's an existential crisis. I am an athlete, and then you get injured, or you're too old because you're 30 years old. There's an existential crisis. Because along the way in life, we seem to have built up our due. So even when we're doing, I'll follow this, even when we're doing, we're not really doing to do, we're really doing to be. Right? When I go to work, because that's who I need to be, I'm not really doing, I'm just trying to be. And I, was, I just bought I need to do to be. So what I do is really filling me up from an existential perspective. I'm trying to fill a pit that can never be filled because since my pit is filled with the soul, whatever I can do in this world will never fill up my soul and I'll never feel fully satisfied. But the minute I realize that who I am is inherently and infinitely valuable, I'm holding the candle. And I really believe that. Now, here's the difference. This I got from a famous rabbi named Rabbi Noah Weinberg. Rabbi Noah Weinberg was the founder of Aisha Torah. You know, he said, I was sitting in, I once had 10 hours uh, one, two, three, six hours alone with him. It was incredible. It was the end of his life. Six hours alone with Noah Weinberg. It changed my life. And I heard him say it to me. He said, people mistake happiness as being the end of the road. And so they think that they can't let themselves be happy because then they're not going to be ambitious. Happiness is actually the beginning of the road. Happy people don't mope around. Happy people take on the world. And then he's been saying this for 50 years when he said it. And science, if you just Google positive psychology and go to any of the leaders and they'll tell you, yeah, that's true. We see it now. No one saw it 50 years ago, but they see it now. 
Happiness is the beginning of the road. If you're driving towards the place called happiness, you're never going to get there because happiness was the gas in the car. If we're driving towards the place called B, we're never going to get there because B was the gas in the car. When we breathe in that what I have inside me is more valuable than I'll ever get in this world. There's nothing I can do that is more valuable than who I am, which is so not normal. If we really believe that, then what we'll do next is want to take the candle that we have and light something else up. Really where doing comes in is after being. Once I realize that who I am is infinitely valuable and my power is infinitely capable and there are things that I can do that I, I today don't even know that I can do. There's, there is power inside me that I don't even know about yet. And I won't know about it until I hit something and I dig into it. There is things that I'm going to accomplish in this world that it would be mind boggling to me because I don't even know the extent of who I am, but I'm excited to figure it out and to delve in. Once we come from a place of true essential power, infinite power, of course, we're going to want to do what are we going to do, sit around and do nothing? I got this power. Someone handed me a Ferrari and I'm not going to drive it. Someone handed me an F-16. I'm not going to fly it. What are you kidding me? What am I, crazy? Someone gave me this thing called the soul and what am I going to do, just sit around on a couch all day? Yeah, I could, but why would I do that? Do you know what I could, be, you know what I could, I could accomplish? I got nuclear energy. I'm not going to light up a couple of houses. I got a credit card that doesn't stop. So I, could, I have an unlimited account. I'm not going to buy things. When we do, because we are overwhelmed, or at least we understand who we are. Now the doing isn't trying to like replace my be. I'm not trying to like do something so that I can be something so that I can feel like I'm valuable. I'm not chasing my tail my whole life, hoping that I can accomplish something that somebody else thinks is valuable so they can give me a little bit of respect so that I can go to bed at night and go, maybe I'm not worthless. What are you kidding? No way. I feel like I can do things. I got this soul inside me. I got a piece of the infant. I got fire burning in here. I'm not going to go light things up. I'm not going to blow my kids up properly. I'm not going to see people on the street. I'm not going to have big visions and try to do big things. There's nothing in the world that can contain me. The world's physical. I'm infinite. I'm not going to go out there and make a difference. I'm not going to use what I have. I'm not using, I'm not doing things to feel like I'm somebody. If I fail, I'm not going to be like, I'm a failure. If someone got bit sick, they're not going to be like, oh, my God, I haven't done something for a week. I have no value. If the kids move or the job changes or the world changes, I'm not going to be like, I got nothing left because my value was connected to this one thing that society looked at. I got something. And it's changing and evolving all the time. I want to dig in. I want to see what this is. I want to see how fast this thing goes. I want to pull it up to Mach 5. What if I put my foot on the gas? What happens? Am I going to hit 150, 160? It's open road. 
If I had challenges, can I get through it? If I got so much on my plate, can I push? Can I see the greatness in other people? Can I take the fire and light the candle with it? That, the rabbi said last night, is the greatest way to say thank you. You see that? What's a better way to thank God for making us infinite than to go out and share our infiniteness with other people? What's a greater way than feeling the gratitude of being infinite than to make somebody else feel more infinite than they feel? What's a greater way? Moms and dads and colleagues and career people, who cares what we do? Is there a greater way to express the gratitude for having within us an infinite source and to spend our time trying to share that with other people, whether it's through my profession or through my personal life, whether it's a parent or a mentor or a friend or a daughter, I don't know. Is there a greater way to say thank you and to light the candle from our fire? That's how do properly follows be. Be do. We don't do to fill up who we are. We do because it is an outpouring of who we are. It's a flip. When that's our perspective, man, the world better watch out because there's a couple of people that understand their power for good and want more than anything in the world just to share that fire. All right, we'll continue. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But we'll finish this piece up as well with God's help. Think about that today. All of us. Just think about it today a little bit. The fire that we have and the fire that we share and who we are. Let's make sure that just for a little bit today that the do's that we do every day is an outgrowth and an outpouring of who we are. Because if it is, I believe in my humble opinion, it's going to be a lot more powerful. All right. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it and have an incredible, incredible day. With God's help, can we see you tomorrow? (laughs)